Oh yeah. Canceled too soon. A podcast. Podcast. About TV. Television shows. That were. That were very, very short. Canceled too soon. One season or less. Oh yeah. This week on Canceled Too Soon. Dragon Half. I'm just a normal girl who likes saucer. everybody and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online and Blumhouse.com. Everybody calls me Dibs. <laughs> you sound like the world's most lackluster monster truck announcer. Everybody, uh, Gravedigger is driving over some trucks. Everybody likes Gravedigger, am I right? Don't forget to tip your beer. You ten, tip the beer. Tip bu- it. Ten bucks gets you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Um, <laughs> my name is Whitney Seibold. I'm a film critic of some stripe. Uh, I, I write for Crave Online and Blumhouse.com, and I am the co-host of the B-Movies podcast. From, from Whence We, we hail. hail. And this week on we, Canceled Too Soon. We, ha- I, we have another Whence We Hail with well, us. Well, hang on. I was going to like do a proper intro, but you just fucked it up. Okay. Intro me. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Well, yeah, we're, we're, f- we're fulfilling a couple of requests on this week's show. Uh, we're, we're had a lot of people asking us to do more animations, and people asking us to do more anime, and we had a lot of requests uh, f- for someone to join us once again. Uh, you may recall that Mich- uh, Michelle Lapis joined us for our Sam and Max Freelance Police episode to mm-hmm. explain uh, why the show wasn't very good to Whitney, who <laughs> loved it. Uh, she, she's, she's completely wrong, but I'll, I'll have her on the show anyway. It's fine. Uh, but we had a lot of people write in saying they want to hear her, her opinions again, and particularly about animation, because that's your expertise. Hi, Michelle. Hi. So, yeah, I, I'm married to you. Yeah. I am. I didn't want that to be the thing that defined you. No, no, it doesn't define. But it, it's, it's, it's definitely of, worth mentioning. Yeah, it's uh, like backstory. Yeah, there like, you go. <laughs> Previously, I canceled too soon. We got sure. married. I know. Yeah, so, so it's a great cliffhanger. So we have Michelle on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for coming on the show. Uh, oh. You you always listen from the other room. I do. And now you get to actually be part of this. So it's this is so terrific. Exciting. Yeah. Officially, and this is a show. Uh, the the show that we're covering this week is a show that was one of Michelle's suggestions. Of course, my mom is calling now. She has a great ability to do that. Um, a great suggestion for what you should say. It's a super sense, I yeah. think. She, she always calls as soon as we start podcasting. It's kind yeah. of incredible. Really? Oh, really? Yeah, it's, right. it, yeah. It, it, miraculous. Um, in any case, uh, Michelle mm. uh, helped us pick out this week's episode. And it's a show that I had heard a lot about in the 90s, back when anime was becoming like super popular in but America, but it was not necessarily easy to find. You could find it, but there were like a few, just a very few like specialty shops. Like Blockbuster had an anime section, but it was like two shelves. And, and yeah. it was all yeah. Urotsuko Doji, and that's it. You know, that that was it. That's yeah, it was, it was All My it, Goddess, Ghosts in the Shell, mm-hmm. Akira, Vampire Hunter D, yeah, and yeah, that was it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Bubblegum Crisis if you were lucky. Yeah. Uh, so, so tell us about this particular show. Okay, so Dragon Half is an OVA series, which means original video animation. It was a thing that's really particular to Japan, uh, where you know the VCRs were coming out, and they were like, "Let's just instead of airing shows on TV, spend more money and make an even cooler show, and you can just 
buy it directly. Yeah, it's a serialized <clears throat> series, exactly like you see on TV, with commercial breaks and everything. Yeah. Just no commercials. No. Mm. <laughs> they just completely shared the format, but they would just buy it on, on mm. DVD or VHS uh, at the time. And I saw a whole bunch of these, and I was always confused. I always assumed that these were shows that actually aired on Japanese television, yeah. but that was a lie. Well, I, I was looking into sort of the way Japanese television operated, and I wasn't able to find any sort of lineup as to like how how things were structured in terms of season lengths of episodes lengths of season yeah just the, I found one series where one season was 65 episodes and I found another anime series from the exact same time where one season was like six episodes so it seems kind of willy-nilly over there. Yeah. Uh, it is. It, the way they do television programming. They'll often uh, base a lot of anime series off of manga or yeah. novelizations, light novels that previously exist. So they kind of tend to give the show's length according to how long they feel the story should go. Okay. Which is not necessarily how we structure television yeah. um, in the States. Which I think is actually great because you tend to stick to the meat of the story and not get as many dead episodes episodes where people are just hanging around and you're trying to think of things to An- do. Anime them. series tend to be pretty faithful adaptations of the anime on which they're based. Manga. Sorry, yes, the manga on which they're based. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they tend to be like, so to the extent where like you'll watch like Beck Mongolian Chop Squad and you'll realize this is exactly like the first issue of Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. Like down to the to the letter. I, down yeah, to the frame. When everybody had that, that big realization. Who could forget <laughs> Beck Mongolian Chop Squad? <laughs> that was a good show. That was a good show. It had good music. I'm sure it was. It was, a, it was about a garage band. I think I forgot that one. Yeah. I, well, it was coming <laughs> up too soon. <laughs> so, so this one came out on home video, mm-hmm. and in a serialized format. In a serialized format. Think of it as like the, the original, pre, the, the predecessor to Netflix, where technically it's TV, but it's not actually on TV. Uh, it's not broadcast, yeah. but. Uh, this was intended to keep going. Yes. Yes. And only one. Did two. this come out in one or two videos? Uh, two videos. I, there two were two, videos. There were two, okay, so I, were, I looked yeah. it up. Two were... 25 minute episodes, mm-hmm. each each individually released on a VHS. Yeah. yeah uh, the, first, the first one was That's released. when they canceled it. That's yeah. when, the, yes. It, right like, after was, number two. <laughs> it was supposed to be four episodes. Mm-hmm. They canceled it after two due to apparent lack of interest. <laughs> the first one came out on March 26, 1993. The second one came out on May 28, 1993. Maybe the maybe it's a gap. I think you have to do what we do here in the states. If you're going to do a video series like that, you got to release the first four all all on the same day. Often that's how I would buy yeah. or, or rent OAVs. Previously, mm. they would be more than one episode on the thing. But I guess maybe that was just how they were released in America. Honestly, my suspicions are that this was made with really poor budgeting mm. um, because you can tell obviously from the second episode they're reusing clips from the first one. It's this practically is, a clip show, for but a while. but it, but it was a joke because they referred to a deleted scene in one joke, which I, yes. I thought was really fantastic. They they were very self aware. Uh-huh. <laughs> But I think pretty much this was one of those things where people maybe promised money and then it was pulled out and so we get this sort of like... Yeah. 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 This amalgamation of only something that was was only half produced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So Dragon Uh, Half, uh, for people who still don't know exactly what we're talking about, is a story about a dragon half. Well, it's it's a, a fantasy sitcom, I yeah. suppose, uh, a, that takes place in fantasy setting kingdom number yeah. 40. Yeah, half, and, uh, half magic, a little bit of sci-fi in there, too, mm-hmm. kind of just generic fantasy land. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's a land we've seen before, not just from anime, just all kinds of, yeah. of sources. RPG. It's, it's a corner of Warcraft. There you go. Uh, sure. It could be. <laughs> they changed in a bunch of names, but... Well, I think the Blizzard team would say that there's a lot of stylistic... 
knows, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most of people be like, no, well, no. You know, there's a lot of like, stuff. No. Yeah, no. There, there's no I, televisions in War in Azeroth, guys. They have they start with yet. TVs. <laughs> <laughs> that's an expansion that's waiting to happen. But uh, Dragon Half plays a lot like sort of a spoof of uh, a fantasy stuff. Uh, the main character is a Dragon Half in that her mother is a dragon and her father is a human. And she has horns, wings, and a tail, but otherwise looks like medieval bikini babe. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, there's a lot of... I'm not sure if the show is meant to ogle her, because it does end Ooh. with sort of ogly moments. Actually, uh, yes. Okay, yeah. Let, Can, well, so get, this is, give me a little lead on the sexuality me, of yeah, the Yeah, fan show. service in anime is Yeah, so fan service is actually something that they consciously do in Japan, mm. where they make characters, male and female, um, flash panties, mm. you know, show butts and boobs, extra jiggle. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, like that kind of thing happens. And it's interesting because if you notice, the characters that get the most sexualized or become the most nude in a lot of these shows tend to be the most powerful. Yeah. Uh, this actually continues into like contemporary anime series. There was mm. uh, a recent one that came out uh, a while ago called Kill La Kill, where mm. that was literally the point: <laughs> is that their mm. clothing would become more powerful, the skin, like the until it was like threads. Had, yeah. yeah. yeah I, people I, got I saw, powers from their clothes. I, yeah. I saw an anime back in college. I, I wish I could remember the per, the exact title. It's like Perfect Teacher or mm-hmm. like something along those lines. And it was about a an evil teacher that moved into a high school. And it turns out the teacher was like a demon that wanted to kill the children. Okay. And uh, the heroine of the show was still wearing like her little girl panties, yeah. and that's what gave her strength. Right. And uh, she could only prove that she was truly strong was when she showed off her grown up panties. But yeah. Be- before that, just being embarrassed. Robbed her of her superpowers. It's an underwear centric genre like, sometimes. Starting with things like Cutie yeah. Honey. I don't know if that's maybe the first, but that one I think came what, out what in the, the 70s. The it, first of the underwear genre. Yeah, where she just had to strip down. She had to be temporarily naked mm. and strip in order to fight bad guys. But it's not she, necessarily she there with the, the topless, but the mask that sort of. With the sashes that drooped over her breasts, mm. that character. doesn't narrow it down. I, well, I guess this. Really. I've seen I've I seen a, think... a, a popular anime character. I'm I'm sure all of our listeners are yelling at me now. It's but, masked with ribbons that would cover up her nudity. But what I think is interesting about fan service because there are certainly fan service anime that are very much about just mm. pure ogling, mm-hmm. just pure mm. lascivious male gaze. Well, some of it's all just outside. outright pornography. Some of it sure. is just outright pornography. But there's also a, a, a sense of humor about it that. It, implies, particularly something like Dragon Half, that it's not necessarily sexist so much as it is winking and naughty. Well, it it seems to be kind of sending up a lot of the ogly attitudes, because it's titillating, but they're making you really aware of how much they're titillating you. Right. Uh, They're they're trying to make you feel a little bit embarrassed about it, I think. And And, uh, purposefully. And characters are, like, punished for being pervy right away. Yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah. the stabbed. father character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, stabbed, hit on the head, sent, put out in the trash. The, uh, <laughs> the, yeah, the father makes some sort of lascivious comment, and then there's just a sword in his arm. We don't yeah. see it go in. It's just sort of there, and his, his wife, the dragon, stabbed him in the arm. And with good cause. Uh, so Dragon Half is a very manic, very satirical uh, uh, sort of send-up of a lot of anime tropes. And what I think is really interesting is how many people I knew mm. who were familiar with the show uh, in the 90s who weren't terribly familiar with anime. This is like one of their first tastes of anime. Mm-hmm. So what we've got here is like, 
I don't know. Imagine your first American comedy was 22 Jump Street. Yeah. And you thought, like, that was it. Like, mm. it must have been funny, but I imagine, like, a lot of it went over your head. So, let's talk about the show. Let's talk about, like, the individual mm. episodes. Uh, the first episode is called Mink's Journey. Uh-huh. Just, just, it's her journey. Well, the main, main character is Mink. named Mink. Is, Mink. The main character yeah. is named Mink. And yeah. uh, she's, she's a ditz. I think that's that's the best archetype I could use to describe her. In that she's okay. She, she's no. a, a like a, a teeny bopper. She's really obsessed with pop music. Uh, that doesn't make her a dick. She's though. she's shrill and kind of dumb. Even though she's like the hero and brave and a fighter. She's okay. I'm gonna rework that. She mm. is really nice. She's really, really nice. nice to where people think that her viewpoint is naive. She's so okay. nice that when, like, the beat <coughs> of the Dick Saucer concert ticket that she wants so badly is mm. lying there on the ground, her immediate reaction, you know, afterwards is to mm. stop and think about the poor girl who must have lost <laughs> that ticket and yeah. I can't steal it from her. Oh mm. my God. So that she must, just, you know. That must be really confusing out of context. The plot point. <laughs> Okay, the so plot one is this. Okay, hold on. Let's. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take over here and give everyone the basic gist of the first episode's plot. Then we can go into well, detail. Ma- maybe we so should that, get that, that, the that, premise of the show that's, before that's, we get into plot details. Well, that's but, the basic gist of the plot. The premise. Let bibs dry. God right. damn it. <laughs> the plot of the show is that there is a teenage girl named Mink. Her mother is a dragon. Her father is not. Uh, she is in love with a pop star slash dragon slayer named Dick Saucer, mm-hmm. who also has a very popular TV show in which he sings and kills things. Yes. Uh, she wants Dick Saucer so bad. Mm. She's just an ordinary girl, she says, who likes Saucer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a dragon slayer, and so she realizes that because she's half dragon, if she ever wants to get with that, mm. she's going to need to uh, take a people potion. Which is hidden somewhere in the kingdom. Turn turn her full human. Yes, that's hidden somewhere in the kingdom somewhere. Okay. Uh, Meanwhile, the king of the the kingdom, Uh which you'd assume there'd be one, uh, is is after her because really what he wants to do is kidnap her so he can marry her mom because the dragon is hot. Uh, So... It's it's a Judge Frollo thing. Like, I, I, I... I want to kill her, but I want her sort of thing. Kinda, yeah. Uh, and so he, he's also a, a loud buffoon. Yes. Yeah. A lot of loud buffoons. In fact, every character Pretty is much. a loud buffoon. There's, there's <laughs> the majority there's no, are loud. There's buffoons. no grounding character. There's no. There's no normal. There's no. Yeah. There's, there's no, no human one avatar. It's very manic. Uh, so the majority of the first episode is the king sending off his various minions mm-hmm. to try to capture Mink, and the first one has a concert ticket for Dick Saucer and he has it on like a little string mm-hmm. with like a fishing pole and he's like, ah, oh, she's gonna take the ticket. And then she's just like, oh no, someone lost their ticket. That's so sad for them. And then she leaves. Yeah. And then he shoots, and then he just shoots her with a poison dart and then he shoots her with another poison dart which is <laughs> on the ground and then another one and they assume she's dead. Uh, <laughs> and they ask, why didn't you shoot her with so many poison darts? I'm sorry, I just, uh, I got yeah. enthusiastic. Yeah. <laughs> But it turns out she's fine, because in addition to being nice and sweet Uh, and a normal teenage girl, she is the ultimate badass of badasses. Well, she's half dragon, you see. Yes. Or rather, dragon half. She's dragon half. Yeah. Let's not go nuts. Um, yeah, you can't say half dragon. They only ever say a dragon half. Well, that's it's like there's this great thing actually where she's trying to identify who she is to everybody, and and like no one is willing to accept her as being dragon half. Yeah. It's like no, you're a dragon. It's like no. Well, I'm, I'm wondering how absurd an idea that was to Japanese audiences. Somebody right. who is half human and half dragon. Mm. 
It's like saying, a, well, you know, a, 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 in an, an, an American fantasy comedy, like somebody is half Gollum or something. It's like, oh, my hands are made of clay. My dad was Gollum. You know, it's sort of a, a, a joke, right? They usually well, I guess call it's not them, funny judging by, judging by your reactions. But. In Japan, they actually call them monster girls. Um, oh, there's a thing? It's, okay. it's such a common trope like uh-huh. to have a half whatever, mm. half sheep, half girl. Half, you know, <laughs> like it gets weird sometimes. You're mm. like, I didn't really need that. But yeah, they're a thing. Okay, yeah. Also, it's interesting because there's so much of a story element to this. That she is half dragon, and even though she's not really ashamed of it, she sees it as an impediment to getting what she wants, so she must change herself. And we Mm -hmm. only got two episodes of this. The manga lasted like 65 installments, so I would assume a valuable lesson was learned along the lines somewhere. accepting who you are. Yeah. Yeah, because what it brings up is beyond the fact that she's a monster girl, and that's cute, or sexy, or fun, or empowering, or whatever, there's a bit of cultural commentary here in which someone is half something. Their parents are from different Mm. worlds Mm -hmm. and everyone wants to assume they're only one of those things and she says, no, I'm I'm my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I am not my mom because my mom was from this culture you demonize because they're demons. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, no, but nor am I my father who is from this culture that you like because you're, they're you. I am a me. uh, I'm a me half. We even get a dark mirror to all of that in the the evil princess, uh, yes. who is Vera Vera Vina? Vina 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 the slime half v- Vina <laughs> Vina who is half human and half slime. Yeah. Uh, a slime is like a little gumdrop with a face on it. Yeah, which you um, might be familiar with from RPGs when they're like, "Go and kill level one slimes." Mm, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, they have that I, in I, Warcraft, Legend of Zelda. There's I, a lot. I of remember those. that yeah. from uh, Final Fantasy, I think. Yeah, the original yeah. Final Fantasy. Just a, just a blob. Uh, you ever see the blob? It's like that with cute eyes. Just yeah, a yeah, little little blob with cute eyes, and yeah. uh, and she took a potion and she turned half human. Yeah, her mother took the first people potion that we're aware of. Mm-hmm. She, what she really wanted to do was marry the king. And everyone's like, you can't marry the king. You're a slime. <laughs> and so she took a people potion. And, all this, and her parents, who were there at the time, says, run, a person. We've forgotten you're our daughter already. And then she married the king, kind of glossing over the whole courtship process. I guess he was just looking for an, a human at the time. <laughs> uh, and then she has a daughter, and her daughter is a slime. And half her, slime. Half, well, when she's born, when she's she born, just looks like a slime. slime. <laughs> and uh, that she takes the people potion, she becomes uh, a person mm-hmm. again. But what we were noting when we were watching it again uh, is that she says she's living with her father. Her father's this kind of evil creep. Mm-hmm. Uh, her mother is, quote, with the stars. Mm-hmm. Now, is that a euphemism for death, or is she like on television right now? <laughs> she she, she could stars. be in space, yeah. yeah. She's hanging out with Dick Saucer. The king knows Dick Saucer, by the way. That's They're how close. he's able to get yeah. those tickets. Well, no, that was a, that was a fake it was ticket. A fake ticket. Oh, okay. Yeah, he they when after they kidnap. <laughs> oh, that's right. It says fake on the back. <laughs> <laughs> he kidnaps Mink. She's about to kick his ass, and then he gives her a Dick Saucer concert ticket, mm-hmm. and then she says, "Oh, dibs!" And then she just flies away, mm-hmm. sated. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it turns out it's a fake concert ticket. How Crap. old? How old would you say Mink is? I think she's like fourteen. She seems to be like yeah, four, yeah. fourteen seems like a good. She, she she acts like a young little teenager, yeah. like young yeah, into teeny bopper. Te- teeny stuff. bopper. That was the yeah. phrase I was looking for. Teeny bopper. You, you know, it actually bothered me that you referred to her as a ditz, and I agree with Michelle. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's that's quite fair because what I like about Mink as a character, a ditz is just descriptive. It's not an I, insult. It, it's it's an, it's 
in, indicative of, of mental faculty that is not necessarily respectable, and I disagree with that. And if you get called a ditz, it's not really... Um, well, it's not a compliment, but well, yeah. Well, no, it's, it's not really something that people respect you for at the office. <laughs> oh, no, that uh, Carl, he's a real ditz. He's a real ditz. Yeah, we yeah. should give him that promotion. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, it's not it's a... Not, it's, I would say it's an insult. Yeah. But here's the thing. Some people can accurately be called a ditz in drama. That's their character type. And I, and I agree with Michelle. I don't think that's fair, because one of the things I like about Mink is that she you, does seem to represent... You, you like Mink? I do like Mink. <laughs> okay. I like her. I like her. One thing I like about her is that she is... In many respects, very normal, but not in that sort of boring, milk toast, everyone can relate to her kind of way. In terms of, she's young, she's enthusiastic, she likes mm-hmm. the things young people like, she has friends that she's very close to, she's friends with an elf mm-hmm. and, a, and a person with a chipmunk monster. It's Ma- a mouse. It's a, chip, it's a mouse monster. It's Mappy, Mappy played He's... by himself, if you read the credits. That's true. <laughs> uh, she, she has friends. Her friends support her. Uh-huh. They're playful. They talk about mm. boys and not boys and all kinds of stuff. Like, like It's not it's... just you know one focus, not just one thing. And it reminded mm. me a little bit of um, sort of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer in terms of someone who, mm. as opposed to Buffy who has responsibilities and isn't allowed to be normal, here's someone who is normal but their life just happens to be exciting. It happens to be it's take place in this crazy world. I, I don't know. What's, I saw her more as like an archetype out of something like Beverly Hills Teens. Mm, like the, the things teenagers like I just s- sort of plucked from a list. I see no avarice. The what? interesting thing that you pointed out is that it reminds you of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy the Vampire Slayer always makes me think of Sailor Moon. Yes. And the voice yeah. actress who voices Mink in this, the Japanese actress, is Kotono Mitsuishi who is the same voice actress of Usagi in Sailor Moon, who has a similar, except you could probably describe Sailor Moon as actually being a ditz, because they, really, how they characterize her over time, they're trying to point out that she's not bright, and And, things like that. But the other point of Sailor Moon is that she is gradually growing out of it more and becoming more responsible because of her... No, we've been watching a lot of Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon, the more you watch it, has... Uncanny parallels to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes, they someone involved in Buffy the Vampire Slayer watched that show because everything from like Buffy's relationship to Angel is so Sailor Moon and Tuxedo Mask to the mysterious wait, sister. Wait, 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 wait stop! Go tuxedo on. Mask. Yeah, Tuxedo come in. His Summer. name is Tuxedo Mask. Yes. That's a superhero name. Oh, that's not his like. No, his, that's not his Christian name. Okay. No, <laughs> his regular name is Mamoru. Mamoru. Which is Jiba. a Mamoru, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a Mamoru Japanese Jiba. name. Yeah. yeah. No, Tuxedo Mask is a superhero. In any case, uh, uh, that's a stupid superhero name. I never said it was. <laughs> Sailor Moon isn't exactly a great superhero name. Well, uh, Point out the good Buffy stuff, though. It's so good. I think it's good. Okay, so in season five of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if you mm. might recall, there was a new character who showed up who was Buffy's little sister, who we'd never seen before. But oh, that suddenly... was Michelle Trachtenberg, right? Yeah. Okay, and yeah, then yeah. But, something I'm vaguely familiar with. But the okay. show treated the character like she'd always been around. Mm. Sailor Moon did that first. Yeah. Shut yeah. up, Roy. Yeah. yeah. Like, they had like they had this other character who showed up and was like living with Usagi and her whole family knew her. Usagi didn't know who this person was. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that they were this weird chosen one full of power that a godlike being wanted to get. Like it's eerie. A lot Down of the similarities. Yeah. Like the photos in the album, you know, yeah. that had never been but everyone had memories of yeah. so was, was the, the monster of the week representing different aspects you, of youthful culture? It's mm-hmm. very similar. Do you yeah. think that was somebody on the show? who was such a Sailor Moon fan that they decided just to sort of port over story elements or maybe were unconsciously porting over story elements? Or was it 
a knowledge that the watchers of Buffy the Vampire Slayer would recognize that and a deliberate insertion as fan service. We'll never know. Well, I guess I so. Don't recall <laughs> anybody. <laughs> we could probably talk Unless to the makers asked. of the show. Yeah. Possibly. I, I don't recall Get anybody that bringing fellow it up. on the show. Here's the thing. I don't recall anybody bringing it up at the time. I don't think mm-hmm. there was a lot of crossover mm-hmm. uh, when Buffy the Vampire Slayer first came out. It was considered a, a story for like older like teenagers and at Sailor Moon even though it came out in Japan in like what the late 80s early 90s yeah. it didn't necessarily hit America super hard until what the mid 90s I'd say so that's fair so yeah. like when Sailor Moon came out uh, in on mass in America Buffy the Vampire Slayer was already kind of in existence because of the movie yeah so there was a bit of a parallel here but it did come first technically so it's possible it's an accident it's possible that it's just a decent dramatic device in order to build a fantasy story about a young girl who just wants to be a normal person uh, but it has to be a superhero but uh, it's possible someone saw it because it, right. the similarities are right there I would be very curious so to find out in series of common voice actors is there any common talent between Sailor Moon and Dragon Half? yeah the Sailor Moon and Dragon Half Main. No, I mean the, in terms in terms of the writers and the people who made the show. Oh, uh, not that I could see in particular. Although so. there may have been some, there may have been some people in the animation department, but like the right. director, the director, okay, so. the series was directed by. I wrote it down. <laughs> uh, the series was directed by Shinya Sarimitsu, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, actually didn't work a lot after Dragon Half. Uh, he was best known for. Uh, <laughs> well, he had a long career before that. My right. uh, he wasn't like young. Uh, he'd already worked on Blue Seed and Mobile Suit Gundam. Oh, I know Mobile Suit Gundam. 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 That's actually something also that uh, the voice actress was on. She was on Gundam as well as Neon Genesis Mm. Evangelion. Yeah, so uh, so she's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Mm. Kind of a badass. Yeah. And that's great. So it's kind of cool, but it's it's, it's kind of cool to see her in the show kind of sending up a lot of those elements because I don't know if we saw this a lot like John Connery didn't star in a lot of James Bond spoofs mm. you know yeah. so that's kind of fun unless you count Diamonds Are Forever zing hey <laughs> I like Diamonds Are Forever <laughs> I like that movie I like that movie too yeah it's it just, it just the one they had to it's like uh oh Lazenby tanked we gotta get Connery back well let's put him in Vegas what the hell it was it was cute they, he, he had a, a chase with a lunar rover that's right in, in Vegas uh huh yeah it was neat <laughs> You could forget. It's the definition of neat. Yeah, it was good stuff. Um, so, okay, so Dragon Half. I'm trying to think if there's anything in particular from the first episode. We uh, should have been bringing it up that we haven't talked There about. was also a character that I really liked named uh, Damuramu. Damuramu. Damuramu uh, is, is uh, he, he is just a big dumb idiot. And in fact, in the second episode, they explain <laughs> rather scientifically why. Um He's Who the is, second person the king sends after his, men. He, yeah, he's the yeah. second minion, and uh, the second minion is just this big blowhard with a sword who talks about himself in the third person, has a hawk, and... Uh, it looks like a dragon penguin. It, it sort of also looks like a pterodactyl thingy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a monster of some kind. Yeah. Roshi is Roshi its name. Roshi is the name, yeah. Ro- Roshi and Damaramu, and uh, Damaramu's hilarious. Uh, I I watched his scenes in Japanese and in English, huh. and the American voice is way funnier. Really? Because okay. it, it sounds like his veins are about to fly out of his neck. The, the, the American <laughs> the American voice actor just digs into that one by screaming at the top of his lungs. And uh, 
it, it gives his character this weird sort of strained, uncontrolled quality. Like he's just about to die at any second. Yeah. Which indeed he does. <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, he's a little deathy. Yeah, in the first episode, he's trying to kill Mink. He oh. can't kill Mink because Mink is such a badass. Her friends, again, the elf and the, the mouse guardian person who has a mouse that's a monster. Little little girl that follows little, them. Little girl follows him. With a mouse. Yeah, they, they fight the dude. And he kind of just kills himself. Yeah, he, yeah. he throws he throws his sword and it goes up in the air and lands in his skull. Yeah, because a mouse scared him. Yeah, yeah, but it was a scary mouse. It well, is. It, it, it rears up and becomes a giant mouse. We should maybe <laughs> comment on sort of the, the animation style. Okay. Because oh, yeah. uh, the uh, the characters are drawn in sort of traditional anime, but there's a, a tendency in Japanese animation, just in my limited experience of it, to when expressing sort of broad comedic points, redesign the characters, throw them off model, that is... and turn them into sort of broader, more, I guess, chibi would be the word, uh, characters. And these characters don't stay on model for more than like maybe two seconds in a scene. They're constantly snapping back and forth. And that is called the super deform style. So super deform, okay. they go back between um, mm. more realistic or anatomically like, you know, bound, yeah. yeah, shapes into things that express emotion mm. or are, are there for cuteness or comedic effect. Mm. That's yeah. essentially, yeah. And, and so the show what, does it constantly to the extent yeah. where I'm pretty sure it's partly satire. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. absolutely it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've seen shows just do that. Like Sailor Moon will do that, but they'll do it for a shot. Mm. It's and, usually for one gag. Yeah, and, you know. and when he's right, it happens. It's like sometimes it's every other shot. It's mm. an entirely different character model. For the characters, but fortunately, the characters are designed in such a way that it's always clear who's who. Right. Yeah. So it's never really a problem, but it so, yeah, is and, odd, especially and, for people used to American animation, where everyone's pretty consistently on model. And, and, yeah, yeah. And in one one shot, Mink is just sort of regular looking person, and the next she looks like a, a flattened starfish, and she's just sort of flying through the air, wailing. And that's actually like amazingly um, revealing of how great these animators are, because one of the tests you have for classically determining whether a character, an anime character, is a great design is mm. the silhouette test. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. that's, that's all animation, but yeah. Right, yeah. Like you Fred can, Flintstone is recognizable even if you don't color him in. Yeah, even if he's just a black shadow on a mm -hmm. wall, basically. Mickey Mouse, you know instantly. Mink, you recognize because she's maintaining consistent shapes even though she's deforming. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, yeah. They, they keep, like, the same hair. Yeah. You'll notice that on The Simpsons. The, yeah. That's part of the series Bible with the Matt Groening shows, is that... Uh, they had to make sure that they never went too far off model. First of all, because Matt Groening can't do a like he he admittedly can't do a, a great range of character uh, expressions. Yeah, like his his when the Simpsons get really expressive, that's all his animators at work, and uh, yeah. So he had they had to design these characters that Matt Groening could kind of wrangle in within a silhouette. So this is why Fry has hair that looks the way it does. That's why Bart has the pointy head. Uh, it, it, there's a reason why they're designed that way, yeah. is my point. Right. Um, so, the show, first episode, kind of just mm -hmm. ends, like, um, was it Mamoramu? Amoramu? Damoramu. Damoramu. He dies. Mm -hmm. They eat his dragon, which is very morbid because it was established that Roshi was kind of a character. Like, it was like it, it had expressions and feelings. And then they just get hungry and eat it, yep. which is really dark, and there are bones everywhere, and it's gross. Um, and uh, the king and Vina, who's also in love with Dick Saucer, 
mm-hmm. uh, who who we haven't really talked about too much. Uh, she, she's she hates Mink. She said, mm-hmm. "Mink dragon, half or not, you irk me." And uh, Dick Saucer does meet Mink briefly, and they kiss accidentally. Yeah, and it's awkward. Right. But, One of the maiden yeah. tropes in anime is falling into someone and accidentally kissing them. Yeah. That's mm. it's just, just like in real life. Mm. Right. That's All a thing. The time. That's how we met. Well, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I've seen like shots, like aerial shots of that like famous intersection in Tokyo, and there's just like thousands of people storming through. If there's, if in like a little corner like that where there's just thousands of people crammed together, I can see that happening. Yeah, it's yeah. a thing. <laughs> it's totally a thing. I'm sure it happens all the time. Yeah. Eight people kiss every time one of those crossings happens. Now, the ending of the two episodes of Dragon Half, like the credits, mm-hmm. are noteworthy for a couple of reasons. First off, they're possibly longer than the episode. They're very, very long. They're really music, long. music by Beethoven. Yeah, <laughs> they run out of credits and they just keep going for a couple yeah. of minutes. So it's they run through the credits and everything, but it's selected pieces by Beethoven mm-hmm. with lyrics about eating eggs, lunch, just lunch, and just various particularly foods. eggs. Well, your fav- I believe the song title is "My Omelet." Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's like your favorite thing is the eggs, and she's just sorting out what she wants to eat mm-hmm. and what you can have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's- no, that's my tomato. <laughs> you can't have the octopus. <laughs> I didn't like the way it looked. Like, that's the eggs, lyrics. Eggs, 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 so eggs, So, if you ever wanted lyrics to Ode to Joy, they're mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. In Japanese. I thought there well, were lyrics, there to, lyrics to, to Ode to Joy. Yeah, oh, well, they're that, German, but, but yeah. No, who cares about those? These yeah, are the Japanese versions. Yeah. Yeah. It's about eggs. It's about eggs. Delicious, delicious yeah. eggs. Yeah. And, uh, oh, red is blood and blue is heaven, right? Why is yeah. his age and old as youth? But that's boring. <laughs> <laughs> eggs. That that drag Beethoven didn't know what the hell he was yeah, talking about. Like, he didn't yeah. mention yeah. eggs once. No. Yeah. To joy. <laughs> Idiot. The second episode. <laughs> T- terrible composer. Uh, the second episode is cool. It's, it's like super fight. The, Super, br- the Brutal Killer Martial Arts Tournament. The Brutal Killer Martial Arts Tournament. In this particular episode, uh, there is a Brutal Killer Martial Arts Tournament. Mm-hmm. What fun. Indeed. Uh, yeah. um, the, so, so, so it's for re- reasons because it doesn't really matter. Well, uh, there is actually a reason. It's, it's, it's there, an is, there is a reason, yeah. So, so they need to find the potion. They uh-huh. need to go to another land to get to the potion. Mm-hmm. To get to the plane to get to the potion, which the plane is actually kind of cool. It looks more like a beetle yeah. than a bird. I kind of <laughs> like that design. I thought it was neat. Um, they need money. The first thing they think to do is try to sell Mink into prostitution. Doesn't go super great. Mink isn't a fan. No. <laughs> uh, and like her friends push this. Yeah. Like, this is their idea. Uh, and, but fortunately, they're having uh, a, a Robin Hood plot point uh, that day where they try to, uh, they're going to have like a big competition and they're going to get Mink into the competition mm-hmm. and defeat her there. Ha ha. How, how brilliant. And as it turns out, the prize money is exactly the amount of money they need to get a plane ticket. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, uh, but however, I know this sounds like all very convenient, but remember, the guy who's selling the plane tickets is trying to make it. He's working for the king. Yeah. Yes. So he's it's, trying it's all, to make it. It's all orchestrated. It. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, oh, that's why he had the kidnapped guy under his desk. Yeah. Yes. I thought he was just kinky. No. There's <laughs> just a guy under the desk oh, I, randomly. I was remembering John Carpenter's like, in the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, like I Mrs. thought he was just the guy he kept chained up under the desk. <laughs> Mrs. Pickman keeps her husband handcuffed yeah. to her ankle. I thought you were reading that joke into it. I thought I was just missing it. I thought it was just weird and broad. It makes in, way more sense now. In the Mouth of Madness stole everything from this show. <laughs> uh, 
and of course, as is the tradition in all cartoon shows that you watched growing up, all of the competitors in said tournament are characters we've met before, with one notable exception. Well, two. No. Uh, two notable. Oh, two notable. Because first, oh yeah, there's the the crocodile looking thing. So there's one. so obviously there's there's Mink. Mm. Uh, Dick Saucer's in the competition, and that's like, oh god, are they going to fight? They're not going to fight. We'll tell you why. <laughs> Uh, Vina is in the competition. Mm. Uh, Damaramu is back, even though he got a sword <laughs> in his head. And it turns out his brain is so small, it missed it. it, 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 it the sword only punctured his, his skull. Yeah. His thick, yeah. thick skull. Just nicked the brain. Yeah. yeah. But, but he's also turned into a robot. Yeah. Mostly robots. <laughs> he's got a he's got a power suit, a suit of armor made by Blacksmith Tony, which is an Iron Man joke. Yep. Because he gets an Iron Man suit with like machine oh, guns and a chest laser and a water it, pistol and the finger. Yeah. Yes. Um so that's fun. And and his and his hawk is back as well. Roshi. Uh, but Roshi is now a robot. Mm. Which is very tiny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blacksmith Tony isn't it's, very good at his job. It, it, yeah. well, it's, just, it's a really great visual joke. It's like, and my hawk is back, and we see this close close up of this gigantic bird soaring out of the heavens, and then we cut to perspective, and it's like the size of a big toe. And it just looks like it's like a little, it's a little wren, like yeah, it's, yeah, it's a finch. It's really cute. Yeah, it's really cute. <laughs> um, so, so there's going to be a big competition, um, and uh, it all goes pretty well. I'd also like to point out, before we get into the competition, that this is um, the second episode of the show, and it's already the swimsuit episode. It starts with with them, like, in swimsuits on the beach. And this is, again, an anime trope that usually doesn't come around for, you know, Mm. mid-season. After After the fires of of, of (laughs) lust have been stoked. How many many DOA games were there before they did the bikini one? None. This this predated the DOA game. No, I mean, how many DOA DOA games were there before they made the bikini Two, maybe, I think. Okay. I think, point, I think the bikini was always they, like a, was always like a costume you could unlock though. But it actually had a bikini. When they game. had the the all bikini game, however, but was a little later into the series. The Dead or Alive volleyball game was like the third. Okay, yeah, that's what you're thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, was the volleyball a, a, like ahead? No, it should have been. Though. That would have been cool. It was just a volleyball. Oh. Yeah, I know. Sorry, oh, I'm disappointed already. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't think people. I don't think people bought it to look at the volleyball. Yeah, um, I would have. So yeah, it opens with the it opens with the bikini. Mm. And then it moves on to the competition, uh, and the the. <laughs> Are you okay? He's gonna snort tea. Wasn't that funny? Oh, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's just, then they're gonna move on to the talent competition. Uh, the the king's like sorcerer. Uh-huh. Uh, who I love the sorcerer when we first meet him because he comes in and there's like smoke everywhere and then they cut to like this bucket of dry ice yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and you see that he actually carries it he with picks him picks it up and takes it out of the room it's with not him. A, it's yeah. not a it's not a throwaway gag like it's a running gag that he keeps the dry ice in the room it's really funny um, he he tries to sell her a stamina potion. Mm. And everyone which is, which immediately is really assumes, a laxative. everyone yeah. assumes it's a laxative, but she buys it anyway and gives it to Dick Saucer to show that there's no hard feelings. And he's <laughs> like, "Well, I guess I'd better drink it since it's from one of my fans." Aww. So Dick Saucer's first battle with a guy named Guy <laughs> uh, is a me- is immediately derailed. And Guy is not a guy. Guy's like a monster, a little monster. Yeah. Uh, no one thinks much of Guy. Uh, he's immediately derailed because he's he's, what, he's got the because of what he refers to as the brown demon, <laughs> the brown devil, the brown devil, the brown devil. Um, and he's like doing all these weird undulations, and everyone assumes it's some kind of weird fighting move. Uh, uh, and he tries to sing his song, which is all about Dick Saucer. Mm. He like walks around singing songs about himself to himself, which I'm totally gonna do now, just like tricks <laughs> bibs, yeah. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and uh, he's I, a, he's I know a, I'm aroused. And he's immediately defeated. <clears throat> yep. Pretty by, much. By Guy. By guy. guy. Rather unexpected. So we don't have the big fight between Mink and Dick Saucer. Easily uh, one of the better poop jokes I have seen in animation. You know, for tastefulness and humor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there's more that at stake than just a poop joke. It's not here's poop, laugh. It's yeah. suspense, comedy, will they mm-hmm. will something happen or won't something happen? It's, it's about holding it in. Yes. Yeah. Well, the, the Poop <laughs> is funnier when you hold it in. It's poop, true. Poop is funnier when you don't see it. Like, yes. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Like uh, pretty pretty consistently. Yeah, you, you remember? Did, did, oh, that's a that's a poop did, statement. Oh, <laughs> oh. And that's been canceled too soon. <laughs> Thanks Thank for you, tuning in. Uh, do you remember? Did you see A Million Ways to Die in the West, the Seth MacFarlane movie? I did. Yes. Yeah. There was a scene where there was another laxative joke in that movie, mm-hmm. and Neil Patrick Harris had to poop in some guy's hat. Yeah. Yeah. And and then they decided to film the ha- the poop. Falling yeah. out of the hat, and yeah. the joke became less funny. It's not, yeah. instantly less funny. It wasn't that yeah, funny yeah, to begin with, yeah, but really a lot less If you're going to poop in a hat, do it tastefully. <laughs> it's like death when you witness it realistically. Yeah. Something's lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like... uh, the, the climax of the episode is Mink fighting a character that we had never seen before. It's a little fox His looking. Name's Doug something? Doug. Uh, Doug. Or something, yeah, yeah. some, some really, like normal Doug sounding Fisher. name. And uh, Doug Fisher is the the son of like Doug Fisher. I think it's Doug Finn. I think it is Doug Finn. But uh, he's the son of an off-screen war, like super warlock that everybody's familiar with that we've never heard of. That would probably be moment. important later. Yeah. Uh, maybe <laughs> I, I imagine so. He'd probably be a gag in another episode. But uh, he says that he, he has like a vendetta against Mink because he said, "You said you would kill." Azatoth. No, I didn't. It was in the first episode. Yeah, well, this Azatoth. That's right, Azatoth. And uh, Azatoth, he says, "I yeah, I have a vendetta against you. You said you were going to kill my father." She says no, and he goes back and watches the first tape and realizes that the scene was cut. Yeah, that's hilarious. It is. That's really really funny. funny. (laughs) He has a vendetta because of a plot point that they forgot from the first episode, (laughs) and and they fight, and uh, 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 like she defeats him. But the last thing that happens in the show and the series is we see her bits. We do. Yeah. He cuts off her top, and it's not. And at first, she's like holding them, mm. like arm draped, so that they're just covering the nipply bits. And <laughs> the then nip. right at the end, she gets like. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. You're, you're you cutting out the middle part because okay, first. He cuts off her bra, and people get sort of a glimpse, but not enough to be a full glimpse. And so she's covering herself mm. in, like, rage and shame. She wanted her first experience to be with Dick Saucer, I yeah. guess. No, she, she said, I didn't want anyone to see me naked but Dick Saucer. Like, yeah, yeah she the was fir- going to be first. Yeah. The, the oh, for, uh, the not first, necessarily second. She was realistic. She's a teenager. She's person, got some realism in her. The first person to see her breasts were to be Dick Saucer. Yeah. Not an arena full of people and monsters. So she Dick has, Saucer isn't even there. He's on the toilet. Yeah, he's on the toilet, so he totally missed it. So she has this moment <laughs> where she's like got the little tears, and then all of a sudden she switches to rage. Oh. And she beats the crap out of Doug Finn. Doug uh, Finn, who's like um, eight years old, by the way. Yeah. So, like a child. so at the point when she's near nudity, it's like, you know, ultimate power. She annihilates this mm. child. Then when everyone is happy and cheering and she's relieved that the fight is over, then she decides to take part in the cheering, mm. you know, and when she raises Lift. her arms it's to spring cheer, break. Yeah. 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 But then she gets a little embarrassed and she covers herself up again. Mm. But it's not as bad. Yeah. She's she's yeah. worked through her shame and she's like, it's like a hee hee, you know, uh-huh. kind of thing. Yeah. 
So no longer is this about her being stripped and forced to be nude against her will, like... Now Whatever. it's heroic. Yeah. Now, yeah, she did what she had to do. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and then there's a then there's an eight minute song about eggs, and um, then the um, series was over. Great song. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, uh, it, th- this is probably one of the funniest shows we've done on Cancel Too Soon. Yeah, it's really uh, fun. Like I was worried maybe it like would have aged badly, or I wouldn't get all the jokes. It's really funny. And yeah. a lot of a lot of people, even fans of anime, uh, go to anime because it's a little bit alien. Uh, a lot of people like to watch anime. A lot of people, especially people who aren't into anime, like to get into it because... Uh, Japanese culture is just so weird and wacky, and that's kind of a, a stereotype in a lot of ways. I think also just their storytelling uh, tropes are different, and so like, no, it's why Japanese horror films tend to really work well in America is because they're playing off of imagery that we're not used to, and as a result, it's more surprising and shocking. Right, right, right. But uh, th- my point was going to be that this is not one of those shows. This isn't a show you go to because it's so weird and so inscrutably Japanese. Uh, it's not something that is so based in another culture that Americans can't understand it, so everything just looks absurd. This is just broad comedy. Mm-hmm. It plays as slapstick. And it's yeah. There's uh, certainly odd things in it that Americans may not be tapping into, but... It plays with such, it, it, with yeah, such it, verve. You get it, it anyway. It plays with verve, and it's, it's so frantic, and it just moves to the next gag, and everything is just so broad and silly that you're laughing even if you don't get a, a gag here or there. Yeah. Um, were I Japanese, I'm sure I'd be picking up on some of like the cultural symbolism, but again, that's completely not necessary to enjoying just this wacky, fun, hilarious TV show. I can totally see why the American audiences, and again, I knew people who were talking about the show in high school. I didn't get to see it, mm-hmm. but I knew people were talking about it. I totally see why it was a hit. Michelle, what was your first experience with Dragon Half? Did you see it in high school? Or, or? I actually was drawn to it because I was one of those anime fans who ordered things from catalogs ah. blindly I because, those catalogs. because I wanted to see more stuff. Mm. And that was what introduced me to um, Satoshi Khan's Perfect Blue, among ah. other things. Like, things that really um, shook me up. And I... Just bought Dragon Half on a whim, and I loved it. Totally loved it. And I started my search for the manga Mm -hmm. to be, you know, to find an English translated version of the manga. Not available. Not available. They finally, (laughs) someone finally, like a couple of weeks ago, announced that they're finally releasing it in America, (laughs) translated at the end of this year. So they're no. they're still translating it There's, right now. I, I assume that's why. I assume like no one had bothered until now. So mm-hmm. that's they, they got to take some well, time. So like in December, I think it's December twenty sixth, mm-hmm. twenty seventeen. Like I can't even get it for you for Christmas. Like, <laughs> that's how much this sucks. Like that that they're they're releasing it. But yeah, it's never been released in America, and and the DVD wasn't always very well available. It's recently been re released, mm-hmm. yeah. so you should be able to find it pretty easily. And I think it was out of print for a while. I think so. Yeah, yeah. It did. yeah. Um, uh, keep in mind it 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 makes sense that they would take so long to get to uh, translating a manga just because of the sheer volume of manga there is in Japan. But there's, there's so much manga that makes it over here. I guess they're just, they didn't think there was a demand for it. Consider the percentage of manga that makes it over here is but a tiny fraction of the manga that's available. Yeah. So that's I fair. think I think uh, digging up something that has been out of print for a long, long time, translating it and bringing it over to the United States doesn't seem very feasible. So mm-hmm. uh, it's maybe kind of a miracle that they're finally bringing the manga over to the 
there's such America. a wealth of anime in even that mm-hmm. uh, there's some great shows that used to be available that aren't anymore. I mean, you can't find Paranoia Agent right now. Yeah, I think Millennium Actress is out of print. Like it's there's all, a lot all of, of these things are at Cinephile Video just up the street. That's <laughs> from, true. From us, from us. If you're yeah. not in Los Angeles, you're a bit out of luck, mm. um, and you have to you have to search. There's mm. just a, a lot uh, uh, to burn through. Well, thanks yeah. thanks to Amazon.co.jp, you can order all of that stuff online now. If it's in Britain, it's, Japan, because again, there's so much. Yeah, yeah. I guess my, my big issue here. In fact, um, if you for, do order from Japan, of course, make sure that you have like a region-free player yeah. in order to. And from know. from yeah. what I from what I understand about manga, it's not the same as collecting comics uh, here in in America. Uh, in com- what way? Comic book collectors tend to. Uh, well, collect. They hoard. Mm-hmm. They sort of have things serialized and keep them in boxes and make, make sure these stories are preserved. Manga uh, is meant to be more disposable. They're like the daily newspaper. They're like the funny papers. You don't keep them is, in a box. Is that but, true? Okay, uh, here's the thing. There, there are because you know, that's that's what you're describing. Categorizing them and keeping them in boxes. That's the same thing that an otaku who collects like manga in Japan would do. It's the same. I mean, it's basically the same. The only thing that's different is that there's a greater amount of in the middle of common consumption where they don't collect. There's, okay. There isn't like the same stigma against comics in Japan that there is in, or at least has been in America for a long yeah. time. Right? If you're an adult, it's okay to read it, and I think as a result, that leads to a lot of casual readers mm-hmm. well, as opposed yeah. to comics, right? I, well, yeah, because first of all, you don't even have to deal with the stigma of the word comics. There's nothing that's t- implying genre in the word manga. Mm-hmm. You know, it's illustrated. Mm. Stories. Yeah, I think we forget sometimes <laughs> that comics comes from the word comic, yeah. from comedic. From they're funny. supposed to be funny. From funny strips or the funny papers. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. And um, nothing wrong with being funny. No, no, but it's not necessarily an accurate descriptor. <laughs> yeah, and when we limit things like that, it's easier to say, "Oh, this is kids stuff. It's for you know." Funny books, yeah, you know, it's the same thing with funny books, and and, and it was the same thing with cartoons. A lot of people used to look down on animation because it was kid stuff. It's cartoons. It's for kids, and that's not true. And cartoons still has that stigma with it when Mm -hmm. you say cartoon. Mm -hmm. I think I overheard you guys talking about that on. We we had a discussion about that. Yeah, Yeah, we were talking about someone called Whitney out for using comic booky or cartoonish. I think it was comic booky, comic booky as a derogatory term in terms of like just simplistic Mm -hmm. storytelling. And I, I I take issue with it as well. Although, of course, I understand that it, there is mm. precedent. Sure. Yeah. We were talking about that, I think, in our letters episode of the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Dragon Half, again, there were 65 issues of manga. We haven't read them. I did a little bit of research mm. uh, online. And, indeed, that uh, Azada Death. Azada Death. Death. Yeah. He's really important. I think he's got, like, the people <laughs> potion or something. Like, he is important later. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I don't want to ruin anything, but I will say this. We were talking a bit about how uh, Minx sort of quest to eliminate part of her identity as and that is sort of a cultural commentary. I don't know if it goes into the whole cultural commentary idea, but she does seem to learn a valuable lesson at some point. Okay. It does yeah. seem like they're, they're, they don't ignore that. Mm. It's not like and then I have erased half of my cultural identity. I win. Mm. I don't. That doesn't seem to be what it's about. That's very satisfying. <laughs> Isn't that nice? I'm not going to tell you how it happens. Well, I did find out, but I'm not going to ruin that. Uh, J- Japanese culture is. If you look over a lot of the media, you'll find that um, modernity versus tradition seems to be a central theme through most Japanese art. Um, Japan is a very old country, the oldest, in fact, uh, and. 
Is that true? Is it the oldest? I think it is the oldest organized nation on this planet. As in it hasn't changed. Like, it's like, it's been Japan this whole huh. time. It hasn't been called other things. It's been... Well, they didn't call it Japan. Well, no, but... <laughs> you know, Nippon, but uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I did not know that. That's interesting. Uh, so, the notion of hanging on to uh, ancient traditions in the face of encroaching technological breakthroughs... Uh, is something that's revisited time and time again. So yeah, cultural identity is is a really big. Mm. I don't want to say bugaboo, just an interest of what's going on in it's Jap- a recurring Japanese theme. media. It's a recurring. So theme. It, it would make sense that e- even something like a, a spoofy fantasy series would have elements of that. Yeah. Um, Can so, I read some of the titles of the manga issues? Yeah, read it. One of them is Dick Saucer goes after Mink, but it's followed by a question mark exclamation. Point question mark. <laughs> Dick Soster goes after me. <laughs> a threat of Archdemon is that to death, so he's going to come back. Mm. Damaramu's blunder of a lifetime. <laughs> Certain kill the metal golem of terror. Ooh. The 28th annual Malice Slay Championship. <laughs> oh, Doug's going to come back. Yes. This is fun. The 100 Days War. Love and its destination. That's one title. I love it. It's a good title. <laughs> Mink's worst pinch. (laughs) (laughs) This one's just called audience rating 120%. (laughs) Fan service issue. That sounds fan (laughs) servicey. Oh God! Some of these are threat of Earth. One of Dead Lie's troops. Dead Lie, I guess, is a character. Okay. Dream Angel Magical Yoni. Yep. If you know what Yoni means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sexy uh, Yeah, this, this is fantastic. Uh-oh. Ultra Mecha God Damarama Death. Oh, so he gets yeah. even yes. bigger and weirder at some yes. point. I'm so happy. <laughs> right, oh. no, no spoilers here. You're yeah. ready to spoil it. I'm just yeah. reading the titles here. Oh, and one's called Farewell Mappy. Oh, no. Uh, don't see, that's, so, that does sound spoilery, doesn't it? I wish uh, you hadn't said that. So, well, we don't know what's going to happen. Jerk. Mappy. <laughs> Mappy's got to go to school. Uh, Mappy will be back later. Well, Farewell. The, the, name, of, the yeah. name of the last episode was See You Again. I think so Mappy would make a really back. cute hat. That would be a cute hat. That There's like, like well, but it's just that, that's that's because it's got the floppy that's, that's Taro. It's just a, a hamster. I wish it was no, easier to find. It's got the claws and the oh, weird the... pom pom tail. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know anime and and, and manga is very. Uh, uh, there's a lot of trends and a lot of you know. Often you go to like a, a anime convention or a comic book convention, and it's easier to find more recent stuff. A couple of classic things you'll always find some Akira stuff. Yeah. But, you know, usually right now it's easier to find Attack on Titan material than something older. But I wish it was possible to find more older stuff. Like, I would I would kill yeah. for a Mellow Maromi. Yeah. Like a proper Mellow Maromi, like from, from Paranoia Agent. Or Dragon Half stuff. I would like a Dragon Half statue. I'd, I'd totally get a Mink statue. That'd be cool. That yeah. would be cool. Where are those? Mm. Make those! I'm, I'm, sure Internet? I'm sure there's plenty of them in Japan. You just mm. have to go over there. And, couldn't even find any, I couldn't around. even find much in the way of geeky t-shirts. I was going to get her one for Valentine's Day, but they didn't Aww. look good. Yeah, I only found one. Aww. And it was just sort of like, and here's her face! I'm like, so, okay, well, well, I'm so enjoying the Valentine's that was. That's really nice. <laughs> so, uh, <coughs> so this is a, a, a cult object among cult objects. So it's uh, probably going to be a little difficult to find stuff. And even finding an enthused audience, you're going to find maybe like a 1% audience. That's really enthusiastic because this thing's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, the question we have to ask ourselves... Mm-hmm. 
was mm. Dragon Half canceled too soon? Uh, I wish I could have seen more. Me too. Uh, I, I, Definitely canceled too soon. Yeah. Mm. Although, uh, this is not the kind of series you want to marathon through because you'll be exhausted. It is a little exhausting. <laughs> I'll totally give you it, that. It's, it's like unbelievably frenetic and so high energy and in a lot of ways really shrill. Actually, I, I kind of hated the main character, but I thought that was by design. So uh, I, I didn't mind it. <laughs> I didn't mind hating the main character. So uh, listening to her scream like for four episodes in a row would have been tough to take. But coming back like on sa- in a Saturday morning type venue, I- it would have been very welcome. Uh, just for anime fans, if you want to know how exhausting and manic it is, it's not quite as manic or exhausting as something like Excel Saga. It's just... Yeah, it, it's mid road. It's more like watching Sailor Moon, honestly. Well, it's like, like Sailor Moon, but like take Sailor Moon. Yeah, like that's her. That sort of like structure. Yeah, but add like the joke ratio of something like Police Squad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Where it's just like it's joke after joke after joke after joke, mm-hmm. and it's a, maybe a little difficult sometimes to get invested in the story because there's always a humorous aside, and as a result, maybe it'll be a little intense. That's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. It's just like it's a it's you really it's a real watch. Mm-hmm. You can't just like I, I've been watching um, uh, Point Pleasant. Mm. Which is going to be our next episode of Cancel Too Soon, uh, and it's a lot of it's like a soap opera. You don't have to really concentrate, <laughs> nor is it constantly like waving something flashy in front of your face mm. to get your attention. It feels just like a show mm. a lot of the time. This is constantly waving something flashy in front <laughs> yeah. of you. This is dangling its keys in front of you, yeah. and really funny, sexy keys. <laughs> that's that's this show, and I love it. And I thought yeah. it was a really, really great yeah. time. I'm so glad I finally watched. I mean, I seriously, I've been hearing about the show oh. for about 20 years, and I never watched it. So I'm really glad I did. I'm a little afraid that it had Dragon Half lasted like 100 episodes. That. Judging by the first two, it wouldn't have gone down this path, but I know shows that run a long time have the bad tendency to start circling in on their characters Hmm. and making the the series, like the entire premise of the series, more and more about their interpersonal relationships rather than about about the world they live in and the stories they encounter. (laughs) So uh, something like Dragon Half, which is so broad and slapsticky, it's a spoof, trying to turn it on into the interpersonal dramas of the characters would have been so wrong-headed. Well, and knowing about the journeys these people have been through and trying to get us actually emotionally involved in their stories would have been so wrong. So um, I, I sense that might have happened, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm glad it didn't. Well, I think you're ascribing <laughs> a, a, a very American or Western sensibility. To this, yeah, because that's yeah. something we see a lot in, in American shows, mm. uh, where we get so hung up on the interpersonal melodrama, the plot kind of falls aside. We've watched, what do we watch, like 160 episodes of Sailor Moon within the last like six months? <laughs> yeah. Like, literally? Jeez, and you're still standing? It, I'm, I'm really digging it. But what's kind of cool about Sailor Moon is that they're very committed to their Monster of a Week structure, and oh. they do have character types and character arcs but and that evolves somewhat okay but they 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 do a really good job of never betraying the functional concept of the show the structure okay, of the show good, good, yeah. while having those interpersonal relationships be important but they're all so big and archetypical Mm. That uh, uh, they always feel important, but they never fall down a rabbit hole. Yeah, maybe mm. for an episode, it'll be like really intense relationship stuff, but then boom, uh, mouse boxer monster. Okay, and then the violin becomes a monster, and they have to fight the violin. <laughs> I, well, that just happened, 
And it was, oh, then there was one where uh, an elephant vacuum cleaner oh, turned God. into a monster and it like shot dust bags at them. Out of her boobs. Out of her boobs. Oh, I think it was no, out of her wait. belly button. Oh, was that her belly button? It was her belly button. <laughs> yeah, that was a dumb monster. My dream, I'm trying to get through all of Sailor Moon because my dream is to rank all the monsters. <laughs> For like Blumhouse.com, every Sailor Moon monster ranked. Oh, and it's going to be the longest, it's going to be even crazier than my every step up dance ranked list. <laughs> it's going to be the craziest thing I've ever done, but it's going to be so awesome. <laughs> Cannot you, wait. You you're, dream you're, those dreams. I love them. <laughs> William, your ambition is going to kill you. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's so great. Uh, do we have any letters uh, for canceling? Oh yeah, let, let me uh, let me. Well, you look up letters. Uh, I want to. I want to talk. Michelle has a couple of. If you if you like mm-hmm. hearing her talk about manga, you might and, and anime, you might actually like her art and her writing. So yes. what what have you got? Uh, I tend to write very uh, weird horror theme stuff, and my art is also very reflective of that. If you want to check out my work, um, I you can follow me at Spastic Snap on Instagram or Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have a book on Amazon. Amazon that's a collection of my fiction. It's called The Dog Next Door and Other Disturbances. And that's an ebook, and you can just download it real, real fast. And there's yeah. a lot of really good short stories. And yeah. like the title story scared the crap out of me, actually. Oh, I didn't mean that. My, um, my coolest illustrations are in a Centipede Press uh, collector's edition of Jonathan Carroll's novel, The Land of Laughs. So if you want to see cool, creepy stuff, go check that out. That's like out. a glorious hardcover uh, reprinting of a classic sci-fi book. And also, you were recently published in another short story collection called Threads. Yes, Threads, a neoverse anthology that has uh, my Halloween story, The Carving, yeah. in it. That's a cool yeah. one. I like that one a lot. Um, <laughs> So you check should, all that out. You should buy all of those things and you should pay double. <laughs> yeah, so more than two, $4 instead of two for my book, guys. Absolutely. <laughs> Come on, you cheap bastards. You got $4. Yeah. You, got, you, got, you know, people keep saying, oh, how can we contribute to the show? Seriously, if you like horror, check out that book. It's a real, There's some really good, really good stuff in there. Yeah. And plus, we share an income, so you're you're like. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. Like half of that two dollars goes to me. Yeah, I'm gonna buy so much gum. Oh my god, gum for days. <laughs> so many pop rocks. Uh, and also, uh, if you do want to actually contribute to the show, I don't want to forget. Uh, obviously, we're on Twitter at CancelCast, but also we have an Amazon wish list uh, that is full of one season Wonder Television series. A lot of people have sent us a lot of cool stuff. We have we have a pile right in front of us right now mm-hmm. with stuff like the original American Gothic, uh, Legend, Now and Again, The Dresden Files, Kings, Lone Gunman. Uh, we're gonna get to all of these uh, mm-hmm. as soon as we possibly can. So if there's a show you really want us to cover and you want to donate it to us. You can use the Amazon wish list. Yeah, That's th- a great way to th- do it. Thank you for your generosity so far. Everyone's been great. Some of these are not cheap. Yeah. Some of them are. There's, there's a lot of like stuff that's like $5, 10 $15 if you don't have a big you budget. But some of them are expensive. People send us some expensive stuff. Love has no price. It's $5, 10 $15. We, we, dollars, but yeah. we, we appreciate it. <laughs> We appreciate your enthusiasm. All right, we got a letter. More than here. anything. Uh, this one comes from John. Uh, hey, guys. Hi. I've been rewatching Black Sails in anticipation of the final season. I'm a huge fan of pirate history and lore, so you can imagine my excitement when this show was announced, and even more so when I actually got to watch it and really ended up enjoying it. But this isn't about Black Sails. Oh, no. This is about you and me. <laughs> no, uh, this is about a show that came out relatively close to Black Sails' first season and starred John Malkovich's Blackbeard. Sounds pretty awesome, right? It wasn't, because the show was Crossbones, and it was a summer show on NBC. 
I don't know if it was because of Game of Thrones, Black Sails, or a mixture of the two, but this show is pretty much the definition of missed opportunity. John Malkovich as Edward Teach. What could go wrong? Everything. <laughs> Literally everything. I don't remember how, episode, how many episodes it lasted, but I know it was definitely one season because I suffered through all of it. Every phoned-in line from Malkovich, every boring plot point that went nowhere, every scene that showed <laughs> how much money NBC pumped into the location but neglected to give the cast after Malkovich signed on. Mm. It was nine so, episodes. Nine episodes of Crossbones. Yeah. If you ever wanted to watch an actor cash a paycheck faster than it's printed, <laughs> then spending a few hours with John Malkovich as Edward Teach is the way to go, except for the fight scenes, which were embarrassingly boring. Wow. I know Black Sails has its detractors, but when compared to this show, it's easily the better show for a fan of pirates. The only show, the reason I watched it was because I had no way of watching Black Sails, so I figured I'd at least scratch my pirate itch on network TV. Anyways, if you ever get to Crossbones in time for Black Sails' final season, it's definitely a show that I would love for you guys to tackle someday. Well, we will put that on the list. Uh, we'll definitely to, put that on the list. I'm dying to know just how NBC got Malkovich for the show, aside from just dumping a dropping a dump truck full of money on his front steps. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good uh, work, Malkovich! We, we respect John Malkovich as an actor. He's also one of those great work-for-hire actors who will do anything. Like, he was in Jonah Hex. Like, he yeah, will do yeah. junk. Sometimes. <laughs> you know what? That's I'd say that's a sign of a great actor. If you'll do anything and you'll sell it. Yeah, you, he doesn't he didn't phone Jonah Hex in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you you play that part, damn it. Yeah. That's that's the Anthony Hopkins philosophy. I'm adding that right now. Crossbones. <laughs> Crossbones. I'm curious uh, how accurate, like historically, that is. Probably not at well, all. Well, he was such you a know, devoted fan. Yeah. I mean like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was keeping him there? Yeah, what, what, why did you watch every episode? He said well, he has a pirate itch. There's only yeah. so many pirate shows on TV. You yeah. think what you can get sometimes when yeah. you have like they can't they can't all be the 100 Lives of Blackjack Savage. But like maybe the costume design was like dead on, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. historically well, accurate. That's something. something we did of Gods and Kings, and I think there's something to we 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 have a couple of fetishes we really want to get to on the show. Like oh, we want to do like every show where a human cop teamed up with a robot. Like that's one thing we want to do. Absolutely, we should look into. To all of the post Game of Thrones failures, where yeah, networks tried yeah, to all those make big super histor- expensive historical yeah. ripoffs, yeah. and that would be a good. I mean, some of them did well. Black Sails is still going strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vikings, I think, is still going okay. But I like, think those aren't very good shows. They're just popular. Yeah, well, Vikings, I haven't mm-hmm. seen all of, but it had moments that yeah, were interesting right. early on. Yeah. I don't know. Look, these are all good ideas for shows, yeah. but they're just inherently expensive shows. Yeah, yeah. to yeah. the extent that no one would have bothered. Long time ago, unless they were going to do like super, like cheap out, like a mofo, like in the old Gunsmoke days, <laughs> you know, like they might have done that. But like, yeah, no, I, it's cool. I'd love to see like a quest for fire type series like that, where it's just, just cave like, person? yeah, just cave people. They're not even yeah. speaking English, just sort of grunting. Yeah. Teenage a lot. caveman, the but, series, but it's really complicated, <laughs> coming complex, up on CW, like, in, intercaingdom drama between the cavemen. That's what yeah. I want to see. Are they all naked? Sure, why not? Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. If it's on if it's on HBO, they're they're also yeah. all they're all bisexual. In as the well. days before like shame, <laughs> <laughs> there was the cave persons. No, oh, we have to, we're gonna do caveman the series. They didn't we'll do, do a caveman, caveman series. That's true. Yeah, it's not quite what I'm talking about, but yeah, we'll do caveman. <laughs> uh, this is a letter from Lyle. Uh, Hi, Lyle. I listened to your podcast on Rubicon. I watched that show when it aired, and your thoughts on it echoed many of my own when I was watching it. I found myself frustrated by the glacial pacing of the show. A slowly paced program isn't a problem, but when a program is slow moving and the plot isn't progressing in any satisfying way, it's hard for the viewer to stay invested in it or care very much. I 
I kept watching the show because there were elements I enjoyed. They just never cohered in a satisfying way. The show did start to pick up steam toward the end of the season. I was left thinking it was finally beginning to find its footing and that, and that all of the elements were in place for a better second season. I also wonder if the show would have been better if they had stayed with the original showrunner. Uh, yeah, probably. That's pretty much everything. Yeah, we agree with everything yeah. you said. Yeah. <laughs> Rubicon was frustrating because it's from AMC, it was ambitious, it had a good style to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just never became whatever it was trying to be. That's something I'm noticing a lot when I'm watching mm-hmm. a lot of the shows uh, for this uh, podcast mm-hmm. is that we're looking at a lot of failures, a lot of shows that didn't get to become what they yeah. were getting to. And sometimes it's really frustrating when you watch a show and it's only starting to get good uh-huh. and then it's over. Yeah. And you realize, you know, like, oh, I want to complain about the character development. They might have got there. Yeah, you know, they you know might what? Have. They, only got a, they only got so much time. If they can't get you in a full season... Well, like, we talked about Blackjack Savage, and one of the things that frustrated me was there was no indication mm-hmm. that the Donald Trump character in that ghost pirate show was <laughs> ever going to improve. Like, at least in Dragon Half, you know, it's the implication is so obvious that here's mm-hmm. a character who is going to grow because she's young yeah. and naive, and she's being challenged and going after the great big world. Seven episodes of, of Blackjack Savage didn't get that impression. Oh, well, I, I thought the gag on Blackjack Savage was that he was never going You're to. You're giving Blackjack Savage way too much credit. Let's yeah. do one more letter. Oh, let's have a lot more letters. Well, and he also wants oh. us to cover the 1981 anthology series Dark Room. Uh, that is on our list. We had a couple yeah, of requests yeah, for that. Yeah. I think it was recently released on DVD. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Uh, nice. it was, yeah, it was like, uh, who was it hosted by... Um, Not Nimoy. Uh, no, it wasn't Nimoy. It was uh, uh, the guy who, who won... Uh, James Coburn. Oh, right, right. The other Leonard Nimoy. Because <laughs> they're so similar. Yeah. <laughs> when was all swap them out at any time? <laughs> when was in all those cowboy movies, and and then there was also Coburn. Yeah, uh, Freaky Friday all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see Freaky Friday with a young James Coburn and a young Leonard Nimoy swapping yeah. bodies. That's and, awesome. And nobody can tell the difference. Yes. And that reminds me, I have to. I have to uh, oh wait, never mind. Uh, this, I have an idea for a thing. Here's also. a short letter from Sean. Okay, hello, Sean. Hello, Mr. B and Mr. W. Hello, Sean. I've just heard about two shows I would like to request. Uh, the first, I think I had heard of before, but had forgotten. My Mother the Car. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is on our wish list. We would love to pick yeah. to get a copy um, of that. A yeah. show about a car that is reincarnated mother of Jerry Van Dyke. Well done, Sean. He does say re- he puts C-A-R in, in I, I'm applauding. I mean it. Okay. Uh, the second is Cop Rock. Musical we have drama. Cop Rock. Sa- sounds unique. You know what? I've seen some of Cop Rock, and we have Cop Rock, and we're doing Cop Rock. Yeah, because Cop at Rock. some point in the future, uh, yeah. <laughs> I used to love My Mother the Car when I was a kid. I yeah. never saw it. I, I was, saw oh, no kidding. Yeah, they, yeah, there were a lot of reruns. I want to do young. more shows from like the 50s and the 60s, but they're harder to track down because if they're popular enough today... To get like a DVD release, they lasted they, a long they time. They probably lasted mm. more than a season. But my mother, the car is so notorious that we should be able to track that down. Yeah. Intelligent cars were really cool. They were really hip Herbie, at the time. Night Rider. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, Turbo Teen. That's another one I want yeah. to do. But the kid who gets turned into a car whenever he splashes with water, and then like his girlfriend uses his stick shift to drive him, oh, and they never talk about it. It's great. <laughs> I met Turbo. I met Turbo Teen. You met. Turbotine. He came to our school. The guy who played the voice of Turbotine. That's awesome. Oh, he came to our school. That's really cool. Was like career day <laughs> or something? Or? Uh, no, it just, we just had a special guest. He had just put out a record of less like kids' music. And uh, he, he, all about uh, being a Turbotine. And he also uh, he told us a story, and he, he also played uh, Droopy at the time. Oh! So, uh, like back when they were making the really <laughs> shitty ones. Yeah, he was, yeah. he was the voice of shitty Droopy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we... Uh, 
my, po- oh, my point is, shitty droopy. My point is, my school is yeah. great. You want to see the yeah. worst cartoon ever? It's that it's that droopy from like the 1970s or 80s where it's the disco. Oh. That's like oh. seriously the worst cartoon I think I've ever seen. Do I've you, seen Patty the Pelican. Like yeah. I've seen some <laughs> bad cartoons. Do you remember that era when Daffy Duck teamed up with Speedy Gonzalez in a whole series of shorts? Yes, mm-hmm. those were those were all those were, unilaterally terrible. Those were some yeah. terrible yeah. series. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, all right, the so cartoons we're, were bad. All right, so we're going to... I.E. the 1980s. Yeah. We, are, we are going to uh, 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 wrap this one up. Uh, so, uh, everybody, thank you for listening to Cancel Too Soon. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at CancelCast. You can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CancelTooSoon. Um, uh, please subscribe to the show. Leave us a review on iTunes. Even if you just give us a star rating, it really, really helps us like get out there. More people see the show. Um, give us more opportunity to maybe get guests and stuff like that. It'll be really, really cool. Uh, next week on Cancel Too Soon, we're you, going you to mentioned be... mentioned re- already. <laughs> yes, we're going to be reviewing Point Pleasant, mm-hmm. uh, which is the first of DVD from our wish list that arrived. Yeah. I don't know if it was the first one that was purchased, but it was the first one that arrived. So we're going to get to that first. Uh, it is a series from Marty Noxon, one of the uh, creative minds behind Bubba the Vampire Slayer, uh, and it is uh, like a Twin Peaks post, uh, like it's a Twin Peaks religious apocalypse soap opera thing. And mm. I've, I've been watching it, and so far I'm kind of digging it, so we'll, we'll have a conversation about that. Mm. Uh, and then in uh, two weeks, we're going to be doing Police Squad. Mm. So you can catch up on that. And again, Police Squad, Which we shouldn't is, be doing it. I um, fucked up, but we got to do it. We got to do it because you bought it for us, and why, why would I pass up an opportunity to watch Police Squad? Police again? Squad yeah, is yeah, one of the best squad, things yeah. ever. So <laughs> we're going to we're gonna talk about that. And again, we'd like to thank Michelle. Thank you so much. Oh, thank, thank you Michelle. for having me on the podcast. It's yeah. so nice to be out of the bedroom. And- <laughs> <laughs> we lock her up when we're podcasting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if, if you ever hear the chains rattling in the background, yeah. that, that would be why. Uh, so yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Be sure to buy all of her things. Yeah. Hooray! Uh, the, mm. Threads, The Dog Next Door, and Other Disturbances, and uh, the 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 other I'm one. just cool. You're and she's yeah. just cool. Yeah. Land of laughs from Centipede Press. Yeah. When, when you see her on the street, avert your eyes, peasant. What? <laughs> <laughs> she is not worthy of your gaze. All right. So I'm gonna be dealing with that anxiety. <laughs> okay, come on. If you ever see anyone shield your eyes, it's because they're a big fan. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what that right. means. They kind of yeah. kind of hide their. It's kind faces. of a confidence booster. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so everybody, I'm at William Bibiani on Twitter. He's right. at Whitney Seibold. That's right. Uh, that's a wrap, folks, and we will see you next season.